0: Hey, this is Jeremiah Latimo, and this is Gates of Perception. The totality of the universe is just perception. And uh, it's how we perceive things. And uh, there are no facts, only interpretations. Uh, the, The psychical events are facts, are realities. And when you observe the stream of images within, you observe an aspect of the world of the world within. And so, you see, the man who is going by the external world, by the influences of the external world, say, society, or perceptions, sense perceptions, thinks that he he is more valid. Don't relate yourself to any person, anything, any idea. Tell me. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for joining me for this conversation. If this is your first time, welcome. Thank you for being here. And if this is not your first time, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for supporting. I'm so excited to get into the topic at hand today. So, what I want to discuss, I think I will title this podcast episode Love Beyond Restricting Gender Roles. And the reason I want to talk about this today is. To really build on something that I spoke about in another podcast episode called Expanding What It Means to Provide and Protect. So if you haven't listened to that, please go tune in after this episode or before you jump into this one. But the reason I want to expound on that is because throughout that episode, I painted a picture of a different embodiment for men. And one that was not only rooted in something modern and new, but that was also centered in the ancient ways of living, the ancient ways of relating to one another, kind of a marriage between the two. I only focused on how men can show up in that podcast episode, but in this episode, I want to talk about how that looks like when we're relating to one another, when we're in relationship Right. When we're in love with our partners, what does that look like when we're both no longer bending right to these restricting gender roles of you have to do this? You have to look like this and you have to you know provide and nurture and all of these roles that we have assigned ourselves, but also have been imposed on us. And what does love look like, right, for the modern day relationship? What does it look like when two people are no longer subscribing to that? So the current way we relate to one another, as I mentioned in the podcast episode, is from a very archaic way of relating, which is that men provide and protect, and that providing and protecting is from the lens of, I provide the financial support, I provide the food, I provide the the house. And then there's this role that the woman is assigned to where she kind of nurtures the house, she takes care of everything, she has all of these responsibilities at home. And, and that worked and that was even useful for the times of the past, right? When you think about our ancestors, That is how they related to one another because there were hunter-gatherers and there were people that needed to remain at home that couldn't hunt for food, right? So these roles were actually conducive for the type of society and the, the time that these people were living in, our ancestors were living in. And so now the time that we live in, things are a bit different. Like we have women today that are literally breadwinners is what they refer to as. And breadwinners being that they make way more money than their partners, that they provide the financial support at home, right? So that is an obvious reality that women have completely shifted and even evolved in many ways from how they were living and relating to the world 5,000 years ago. Women before didn't even have the rights to be able to start their own business, let alone vote, right? Let alone walk outside without their man beside them. And this still takes place in other parts of the world like Syria or Afghanistan and even Africa. So there's so many ways in which we're so behind, where we haven't caught up to the reality we exist in now. So... Back to the point is that women are relating with themselves in the world on a completely different scale. before women didn't have these didn't have these advantages. They were denied these privileges. So I see women that are breadwinners today, that are starting their businesses, that are pursuing their passions, that are deciding to get married when they're 30 and have children in their late 30s. As women that are responding right to the trauma of not being able to make that choice, not being able to have that freedom to say, wait, I can be financially independent. I can choose how I want to live my life. I am not bound to this man, nor is the quality of my life bound to the man that I choose. I can create that for myself. So I see these women all of the time. I have close friends, my partner. I see them as women that are rewriting something, right? Within their own matriarchal lineage. And men today are doing something completely similar in their own way, which is there was no room for men to emotionally connect to themselves and to their partners. Because the environments that they lived in, the ways that they related to the world based on the time that they were living in, did not require that. It required them to be stoic, it required them to be strong, it required them to be bold and courageous. Right? So if I'm at war all of the time, if there are civil wars taking place, if my land is constantly being invaded, right? If I have to Be vigilant for saber-toothed tigers or willy mammoths or wolves attacking my village or my tribe. I don't have time to emotionally process what is happening in my body. That will actually put me in danger. That will endanger my tribe. If I start crying and connecting to my emotions, right? And sobbing around the grief that I'm experiencing from watching my brothers die that time that I'm living in does not require that. It requires for me to actually not connect to those emotions, right? Especially if I live in a country that I'm being drafted to go to war, I don't have time to connect my emotions. Now I'm gonna be on the battlefield in two months. I have to prepare for that. So this was a reality for a lot of men and those men are our ancestors. So what I'm illustrating here is an understanding that the dynamics that we have currently in our relationships are not just archaic and that they don't apply to the times that we're living in now, but there's another layer that we can look at. It's from the lens of the states of our nervous system, because our nervous system is not 25 years old. It's not 30 years old. It's not 50 years old. It's tens and thousands of years old. These are ways of relating to emotions and feelings that are stored inside of our bodies. These responses that we have towards triggers are not just our own. They are our ancestors, unprocessed emotions that are manifesting and materializing as what we call trauma responses is what we call survival strategies and coping mechanisms. This is the way they coped with the trauma they were experiencing. And we can see this when we just think about our own parents. We internalize their trauma response as a way to relate to other human beings. We internalize that. But there is a transfer of pain that happens when I, as my mother's son, is born. I, as my father's son, is born. There is a transfer of pain. There's a transfer of unprocessed grief that immediately takes place the moment I am born. But this transfer is taking place with everyone. So what happens in our dynamics when we're relating to one another, right, from these rigid gender roles, what is happening is that the past has not been integrated, right? So me relating to my partner as a man from these very restricting ways of being, like, I provide, I'm not emotionally available for you, I protect you, that's all you need from me. And the woman looking towards me is, I nurture you, I nurture the home, I birth you children, and this is all that I'm here to provide you. That is the past that has not been integrated and is now manifesting as our present day relationships. So the problem now is that these roles, these ways of relating are now rooted and anchored in patriarchal values and beliefs. So patriarchy is only 5,000 to 7,000 years old. It's not something that is ancient. It's not something that was a part of the ancient world and how men and women and tribes related to one another. So, patriarchy is something that is relatively new and modern in some ways. And the reason that we have to look at the ways we relate, not just from an archaic lens, but also from the lens of, wait, how is patriarchy now a part of my relationship? How is it determining my relationship? Is because when we think of gender, when we think about how men should show up, when we think about how women should show up, all of it is centered in performance. Patriarchy encourages us to believe that gender is a performance. We don't recognize that we're performing our gender. It doesn't mean that that's who we are, is that how I define myself as a man in a relationship and how a woman defines herself as a woman in a relationship, right, is based on how well they're performing what is referred to as this gender and the role that is assigned to that gender. So when I look at other men, right, let's say gay men, they're not performing according to the gender. So I have to police them, I have to criticize them, I have to bully them because I don't understand that I'm already an agent now of this patriarchy because I abide and subscribe to this role. So when I see other people going outside of that, I then stand up and I police people back into it. And I say, wait, why are you relating like that? Why are you embodying masculinity like that? You need to be like this, right? So I put them back in line. So misogyny is a way in which we remind women to stay in their place, right? It's a way in which we keep women in their place. And what is that place? That place is seated on this pyramid that we all exist in, and it's invisible. But the pyramid puts the women and their needs, their desires, right, below the men. So when I'm operating from this misogynistic mindset, what I'm doing is attempting to put a woman back in her place. When I'm operating from homophobia, what I'm attempting to put is this man back in his place, right? You're falling offline. You're not abiding by the roles. I'm attempting to put him back in his place. Even transphobia is the same thing. So we don't Understand that we're, we're pushing out these messages, we're relating to one another in this way that does not uphold any idea of love, connection, and intimacy. It only upholds a system that has not only hurt and wounded us, but our ancestors. Because when you look at your mother, when you look at your father, when you look at yourself, when you look at others, everyone on some level perceives themselves to be machines. My mother thinks that she's a birthing machine. She just has to birth children for her husband because he wants kids, because he wants a son. And now he has four daughters and he has yet to get a son. So she, as that machine, has to continue pushing out these babies, right? Until he gets a son. Or my mother has to work all day at home and maintain the home. And be completely happy, nice, and sweet towards everyone that comes around her. She cannot access her anger. She cannot access her rage. She has to be sweet and loving and nurturing. Because that is what it means to be a woman. That is what motherhood is about. Right? You see how I'm perceiving her to be a machine? But also the same happens for men. Men are only valued based on what they can do based on how well they perform, based on the responsibilities they can assume. Work all day, productivity over rest all day. Being powerful, stoic, and strong over being vulnerable, soft, and surrendering. So what I'm saying is that both people are seen as machines. That means both people are under a system that encourages them to not only see themselves as machines, but to see the other person as a machine. So I am encouraged to see my partner as a machine, right? And she's encouraged to see me as a machine. So what we're ignoring in our relationships because we're bickering and we're fighting between each other is the third party that's in the room. And that is the patriarchal values and beliefs that we're upholding within our relationship. We don't recognize it. But somehow we're so restricted, we're so unfulfilled, we feel so unhappy with one another. And we don't understand why. Because these ways of relating, right? Me seeing other people as machines based and determining the value they bring to my life based on how well they can perform, based on how well they can earn my love, not who they are at their core, not who they are as a human being but what they can do for me. And this model of relating, we've also learned as children as well, because our parents right, determined if we were good children based on how well we pleased them, based on how happy we made them, based on how we enhanced their image to their friends. This is how we determined whether we were good children or not. But we carry this over into our relationships, into our dynamics. But what that creates is both people see themselves as machines and tools not human beings this is why we can demand perfection from one another because machines can become perfect tools can be perfected but human beings they're perfectly imperfect right so this is why we can push hey i need you to be this way i stop doing that change for me change for me change for me Because tools and machines can be made different to meet the needs of its user. So we're already on the cusp of a new world that's emerging and that requires us to relate to one another on a whole different scale, on a whole different level. And this for me is what I see as visions of androgynous. And that vision of androgyny is one where two people are seen as equals. So, the same thing that we aspire to see in the world, this level of equality and mutuality, is the same thing that we intend to create within our relationships. That's why it first always has to begin with you, always has to begin with how you relate to the world, how you relate to other people. Because all relationships, are the foundation of all societies. So how we relate to one another in private, this vision of androgyny requires us to actually learn what it means to respect and value the powers of the other. What I mean by the powers of the other is that everyone has a energy or a pole that they are more comfortable with. So that means masculine and feminine. These are the two poles. This is the polarity, right? So when we can respect and honor and have a reverence for the powers, the the powers that come with embodying femininity or the powers that come with embodying masculinity, we can create new dynamics and new ways of relating. Because when I respect as a man, the feminine pole, the feminine principle, Not in just women, but all of life. I show up in a new way in my dynamic because I no longer restrict my own feminine expression. And I also create space and encourage that within my partner. I learn how to create safety for that within her. And when my partner honors and respects my masculine powers, she honors and creates space for that within herself. And she honors and creates space for that to be expressed by me. So when we do that, there's an annihilation of what we see as gender roles. Because now two people are completely open and free to create whatever dynamic they desire for themselves. Because there's no longer this, oh, the masculine leadership is more important than the feminine leadership. There's no, hey, providing and protecting is way more important and powerful in a relationship than nurturing and connection, emotional depth and intimacy. I'm no longer pinning these powers, these expressions against each other because there's no war. The war that I believe to be there is when I subscribe to these patriarchal beliefs. Patriarchal beliefs tell me that they're must always be a loser, that one must dominate over the other. There's no equal power that cannot take place within a patriarchal society. There's no equal powers that stand beside each other. For me to not uphold that within my relationship is to also release this tension between my power and my partner's power. This fight, this struggle to assert myself above her. The struggle for her to control or to assert herself so that she can be seen as valuable and important and essential, right? That dynamic is no longer happening. So there's this balance that takes place. So we come back to an essential principle of what we see as yin and yang, It's understanding that, wait, yin complements the yang, but within the yin exists the yang. And within the yang exists the yin. So there's this understanding that what we're attempting to balance is already balanced. It's already complementing each other. Why have I been trying to perfect something that is already perfect? So we stop doing that in our relationships and what happens is there's this allowance. So two people are then allowed to be themselves. Two people are now granting themselves permission to be who they desire to become. So when two people are doing that, there is a deep expression of intimacy that is created. And this expression of intimacy that is created is in the marriage between their imperfections. Because when we don't experience intimacy with one another, is because there is no welcoming of our imperfections. Because I need to feel loved. And now you're fucking triggering me. I need you to be perfect so you don't trigger me. Stop bringing up my wounds, right? I need you to be perfect. Because your imperfections, the things you're unlearning, the things that you're growing in, Right? These imperfections are hurting me. And I cannot create room for you to learn, to grow, to evolve at your own pace. All of my shit will continue to resurface in light of that. But what happens when I can create room for that? Because I'm no longer afraid of facing myself. If you trigger me, that's an opportunity. Thank you so much. I'm glad we have this union between each other. Right? So it shifts. And when that shift takes place, we create new ways of relating. So the reason that these new ways of relating are healing is because the healing isn't found in being with that person. That is a huge part of it. But it's more so in our capacities to change ourselves. To say, wow, the way in which I've been showing up in this relationship is not in alignment with the love that I desire to create. In recognizing that, I change myself. And it's in changing myself that I find the healing that I thought this person was supposed to bring me. The healing is actually coming from the relationship and my capacity to welcome in new ways of relating to that person. And those new ways of relating to that person are not rooted in my own pain or not rooted in the models of relating that I have seen in my life. And also this liberates the pain of my ancestors who have related at this level for thousands and thousands of years. I'm creating a new model of relating, which is deeply healing because when I create new models of relating, I open up new gates of intimacy and those gates of intimacy come with different possibilities different choices, different thought patterns, different behaviors. So when I'm identifying myself as the one that was triggered, as the one that was hurt, as the one that's the victim, I have a very small range of options, possibilities, and choices available to me. But when I embody and I choose to identify as the one that's empowered the one that is welcoming this trigger in order to change, the one that wants to see and confront themselves at the deepest level, what I'm identifying as that, there are a wide range of possibilities, of choices, of responses that I have available to me. And when the other person is doing the same, we create a new dynamic. And this new dynamic is born out of the relationship because we don't recognize that all of our relationships are alive. They're living, breathing spirits with their own will, their own purpose and agency. So when a relationship isn't working, it's because two people are going against the will of that spirit. The will of that spirit is the one that orchestrated them coming together in the first place. Right, So it also knows when these two people are meant to separate because the will of that spirit is in alignment with nature's design. So when nature says that, oh, I'm going to bring these two individuals together, I'm going to bring my children together to fuse and to come together and to evolve and awaken, to heal not only their, their ancestral wounds, but to create ripples of change throughout the collective. That spirit is in tune with that divine intention. When I go against that in my relationship, when I experience a challenge and I'm like, whoa, this shouldn't be happening in our relationship, and I run away, I'm going against that will. When I experience this opportunity for me to be reborn, right? And I'm so attached to who I've been in this relationship, who I've been in the world. I'm going against the will of that spirit. And that's why I experience the challenges and the pain that I do. But when I surrender to the will of that spirit, there's new dynamics created between me and the other person. And it's in these new dynamics, it's in these new ways of relating, that I experience the healing that I deeply long and crave. Because that healing is creating a ripple throughout my ancestral nervous system. Me creating new ways of relating today heal the past of my ancestors who were not able to relate to their lovers, to their partners, to their family, to their tribes in that way due to their own pain, wounds, triggers, and unprocessed grief. So it is a corrective emotional experience that carries the power to heal intergenerational trauma. And this is the divine intention behind every relationship, but not many can recognize that intention and actually follow through with it and complete it. So it is each of our responsibilities to find a new way of relating to one another that does not demand perfection from each other, that welcomes the imperfections of the other person, that accepts their humanity, we each have a responsibility to first learn how we can do that for ourselves and then expand to what that means when we're in relationship to one another. But it first begins with us. How often do we demand perfection from ourselves? How often do we create room for our mistakes? How often do we shame ourselves for spiraling into an old pattern, into an old behavior. How often we shame ourselves for not being fully healed, for still having shit to do, things to work on, things to heal, patterns to release. When that is taking place, we can't relate to other people in a ways that create environments of safety. We haven't first learned to give that to ourselves. We haven't first learned to allow ourselves to be free in our mistakes, in our imperfections. And this is why I find it very useful to observe and contemplate nature. I get questions all the time of what books do I need to read? What things do I need to look into? I rarely read. My partner knows it best. I have a hard time reading. That is one of my many struggles in life is reading. And it's because I like to gather information from my surroundings, from my actions and my relationships. I use those as libraries. But one of the biggest library is nature. And we don't recognize that animals give birth all of the time. And none of them have read books on how to give birth. Birds migrate all of the time in perfect formation. There are so many ways in which nature communicates to us that there is an innate knowledge and wisdom that is embedded within us. And that knowledge and wisdom also carries the ways in which we were intended to relate to one another. And it's our deviation from that original design that creates all of the problems that we experience in our relationships. But we have to first find out what is the original design? What is my original design as the masculine being? I have to first discover that first. So then I know how I can show up in a relationship. The feminine has her own responsibility to do when it comes to that. The feminine has her own responsibility when it comes to that. But it's about discovering our original design because, as I mentioned earlier, the way we're relating right now is not our original design. It's an artificial way of relating. And artificial being that it came from a patriarchal system that wants us to relate to one another in a way that is not in harmony with nature's own rhythm. So it's really in observing what is already here for us. Like sometimes we think we have to go and invent and create something completely new that has never been seen before. And it's like, there's no need for that because there's no such thing as original here. Everything is a remix of something else. These skyscrapers, these buildings we create, they're remixes of trees, of things that we see in nature, From cameras to iPhones, all of it is a remix of the human anatomy, the human template, the human design. Everything we see that we think we're creating as new and innovative is a remix of something that has already been here. That's why it's common for elders in the ancient world to tell people that there is nothing new under the sun, there's nothing that we're bringing forward that hasn't already been here. And the more we can recognize that, and the more we can rest in that awareness, the more simple we can approach your life and relationships. Because at times as well, as we believe we're the first one to be doing this work, we think we're the first person to have an issue with communication. We think we're the first one to have commitment issues or that we're the first men to recognize that we need to connect to our emotions or we're the first one attempting to break quote unquote generational curses. We're not the first one. It's to say that I am where the circle begins. It's arrogant. There have been plenty of people before me and there will be plenty after me that are coming to the same realizations that I'm having today. That have asked the same fucking questions that I'm asking today. That's what I mean. There's a deep wisdom and innate knowledge that is already with me. But when I think I'm creating something new, when I'm trying to build something that has never been seen before, I block myself out from the wisdom that is always present for me to receive, that is always there for me to access. So part of that is recognizing that what we think we're creating that is new, is not new at all it's just us returning back to our original design we've deviated from our paths we've deviated from how we relate to one another in a lot of fucking ways we think we're evolving but look at the state of society look at the state of the world what have we progressed in We think progress is inventing new, advanced technologies that make our life simpler. But the more we do that, the more we operate from that place of convenience. That's actually inhibiting our growth. Because these things will not always be available if there's a tornado that comes, right? And I'm the child that was raised with all of this technology... And then I'm with somebody that wasn't raised with that technology, that had to exist in a different part of the world, right? There's a tornado that comes and rips our homes apart, rips our city apart. Who's more likely to survive, me or that other guy? Most likely him, because he's been equipped, he's been trained to learn how to function without this dependency on technology. While I'm here, highly dependent on it to move and navigate my life, to find food. So it's important for us to understand that we have been digressing, that we are so removed from how we once related to one another. And that's why the indigenous cultures carry and maintain that wisdom. And that's why part of this work is in recognizing who has remained in contact with that knowledge. And when we recognize those cultures, we must celebrate them, but we also must learn from them. Like there's a level of reverence we need to have because it's saying that throughout this expansion, quote unquote, in the world, in society, these people have chosen to remain with the original design of nature and have remained in tune with that rhythm that way of being. So it is, I think, very important that each of us take time to tune into the messages and the wisdom of indigenous tribes and cultures, because that will inform us when we're trying to understand how removed we are from the ways in which nature intended for us to relate to one another. We can only really see that when we look towards other cultures that have not drifted from that path. And from there, we can also find ways in which we can create new identities, especially for men, when we're trying to create new masculine identities that are divorced from patriarchy, we're literally helpless. We don't understand what that would even look like. Like, it's so hard for us to imagine what that would look like. But these cultures, These groups and tribes of people, they've already remained in tune with what is sacred. They know how to honor what is sacred. They know how to be guardians of the earth. They know how to be servants to the earth. And therefore, are are embodying what the mature masculine looks like when it's divorced from patriarchy. So there is profound, profound wisdom when we take the time to explore these other cultures So it is difficult and it is challenging, but it's not impossible. We just have to be very willing to turn towards the parts of ourselves that are so attached to who we've been, to our stories, to our drama, to the roles, to the narratives. We have to turn towards those parts of ourselves and be willing to see where our attachments lie and find the courage to release them for something greater, is experiencing love and real intimacy within our relationships. And that's what we all deeply desire as human beings. So with that, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. Please take the time out to leave a review and let me know how these episodes have been impacting you on your journey. And also feel free to share with anyone else that you know might resonate or find value from this episode. So with that, I wish you all a beautiful day and a beautiful evening, and I'll see you on the next one. Peace.